0: So have you ever wondered why the Bible is so confusing to understand? Or why Genesis is at the beginning and Revelation is at the end? You ever been curious as to why there's a New Testament and the Old Testament, or what does that even mean? Well, I'm sure these are all questions that some of us have all asked at some point. So that's what Bible school is all about. We're gonna go through the Bible and we're gonna talk about the semantics of the why, the how, and most importantly, the who. If you'll ride this out with me, we're going to go cover to cover through the Bible and dig deep and see the mysteries that God has revealed to us through this beautiful love letter that he calls his word. You've just tuned in to Bible School with Reverend Kojo. Hey, good folks. Welcome to Bible School. Um, it's been a minute, but we are back in revelation and I'm so glad we're here. Um, I think it's been since December, uh, since we've done some revelations. And so we're still, we're still in revelation two and we've done the first three churches. And since it's been a minute, I'm going to do a quick recap. I'm not going to give you the full, what, three hours worth of what it is, but I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and run you through the last three churches so that you can understand where we are today. Today, we are in a power packed church. Good, good They had a lot to say about this church. Uh, not only script, this is actually the, the, the fullest letter we're talking about Thyatira today. And I've got a good, bit of history for you. Um, and we're going to go through the history and we, um, it's a lot of history. We, we, we'll just, we'll discern with the spirit and see how far we want to go with the history. But there is a lot of history, uh, jam packed in this particular letter. Um, But if you recall, reach back into the orifice of your mind uh, to about November or October when we started talking about uh, getting when we got, got into Revelation and reach back to Ephesus you remember Ephesus was the first letter that was written. It was the first epistle that was written and they were great at keeping heretics out of the church. If you came and you were anti-Christ or you were not preaching the word of God, they were good at discerning that, but they were not good at discerning, at spending time with the King. Like they did the King's work, but like they did God's work, but they did not like spend time with God. And I think that's a problem that some of us have. That's, that's a problem some of us have. We're we're great at preaching. We're great at teaching. We're great at singing in the choir and ushering. But how much time are we really spending in the presence of God? Um, and so I, I, when we look at Ephesus, I think some of us can relate it with Ephesus. They were great at doing the church thing. They just weren't great at doing the Christian thing. <laughs> which is kind of sad. Then you, we found ourselves with Smyrna, and Smyrna was the was one of the only two letters that didn't have anything bad said about them. But even though they didn't have anything bad said about them, that didn't mean their situation was so great, right? So, like, they, had, they their name came from Smyrna came from the word myrrh, which is an embalming fluid, well, a, a tool used to embalm dead bodies. And the whole letter was about death and sadness and being gloomy and going through, and and it was just so sad. And God didn't, Christ never gave them a promise that he was going to bring them out. He just said, hang in there. And then when you hang in there and after you die, it's going to be okay. But just hang in there. Like, don't forget me. I'm here. I see your struggles. I'm proud of you. You're a lot stronger than you realize. I know things look bad. I love you. You're still going to struggle. Uh, hang in there with your struggle. And it was like, no, it was not really a promise that they were going to get alleviated of any of their, their stuff. And then the last time we talked about Pergamus and Pergamus. was, was the church that married the world. Uh, Constantine makes Christianity legal. Perg- Pergamus means mixed marriage. And we kind of see it, it kind of gets worse. And then Thyatira is we, where we find ourselves today. And Thyatira is really just this more steroid version of what Pergamus was like. If Pergamos opened the door, Thyatira ran through it and made a home there. Um, and so they, they kind of made a home and got really comfortable with doing everything that God was not pleased with. So what I'm gonna do real quick is I'm going to read the letter. Then I'm gonna give you a little bit of history and then we're going to come back and dissect the letter. And then maybe I'll give you some more history or maybe I won't. We'll just see. This letter starts in the 18th verse of chapter 2, and it reads this way, and it says, Unto the angel of the church of Thyatira, these things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass." I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding I have a few things against thee because thou hast suffered that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and to them that commit adultery with her great with her into the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth and reigns in the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the, the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and vessels of the potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star, and he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So we, we've we got like this This big deal of chaos and just culture and just a mess here in Thyatira. And so I just want to go ahead and remind you of this. You remember that all of these letters have four levels of meaning. Meaning, First, they have a local meaning. And we're going to talk about the, what who Thyatira was as a literal church. Um, there some These things were actually going on literally in Thyatira. But you know, the Holy Spirit is a lot deeper than just giving you some literal local meaning. So beyond the literal local meaning, there's a theme to all of these letters. Every letter has a theme and and, and this is how clever Jesus is, is that the theme is so deep that even the name that he uses to describe himself and the meaning has to do with the theme. The way that he addresses them, the way that he compliments them, the way that he picks on them, the way that he pulls apart how they behave, the words, the diction, even, even his imagery all goes into the theme in which he has for this letter. What the point that he's trying to drive across. If you read this, Letter and you truly read it, you're not going to miss what he's trying to say. He tries to make it drive it just as home as possible. No word is even flipping, and I think that's kind of cool. That's, that's actually very insightful. I think another thing is we need to understand that each of these letters are written to the churches in general, and we noticed that all seven of these letters were sent to all seven churches. And so while he addressed one church, all the churches got all the letters. Why? Because even though these were your chief issues, every church had a piece of some of the other things going on in their churches, and so while you have some some things you need to focus on, there's probably somebody or a faction in your church that is doing some of this other stuff, and so he wanted to make sure that you he could you could see. So as we understand that, that that these are these letters are to all seven churches, I think it's really important that we we absorb all of this. But even on another level, it's important that we understand that the seven letters are personal. He's talking to you. Um you, some of these things you may struggle with, some of them you, might, you may not, but on a personal level, he's talking to you. And so although he's addressing these churches uh specifically, there are some things that we need to search our hearts for. And you may be a thyatira, you might be a Sardis, you might be a Smyrna. There may be some things, and sometimes we go through a Smyrna season. We go through a period where we're struggling and we need to understand how he was addressing Smyrna, but then we go through a thyatira season and he's like, You need to repent. <laughs> and 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 sometimes, you know, you, you go through a Sardis season where uh you know you, you got some issues going on too and you're not getting any compliments, and you gotta deal with some stuff. Uh, and so I just think it's, it's, it's increasingly important that we understand that the Word has the power. And it's the Word that we can engraft in our spirits and we can get a better understanding um, here. Now, there's another cool thing about uh, what is happening in these seven letters to these churches. These seven letters outline church history perfectly in the very order that they're in. And so if you understand that these seven letters outline church history perfectly in the in the in the um order that they're in, they give us a look into what happens. And and it's, as as we'll notice here in this letter cuz we see a turning point in cha- in, uh, in the fourth letter. The first three letters have a, a sense of completion to them. And in their sense of completion, we see um how Jesus has, I mean, we, we see how there's not really a worry about, like there's a call to repentance, how he that has an uh, ear, let him hear. Um, but there's more of a completion to the first three and the four kind of give you this feeling that these churches are actually kind of going to endure some stuff and they're going to see the end. Um, and, and we'll, we'll dissect that as we go in, and we'll probably dissect that when we get to the eighth podcast, right? When we get to the eighth podcast, it'll, or maybe the ninth one, uh, it'll be, it'll be a little bit deeper because we're going to compare all of these, these seven churches to a chapter in Matthew. And we're going to pull these things out and we're going to talk about them. I mean, I think it'll give us a, a more clear picture. So real quick, real quick, let's just look at Thia, who is Thyatira, where are they? So it's the longest letter, we talked about that. The actual place of Thyatira is located on a road uh, to Istanbul, uh, it's in, in between a place between Istanbul and Izmir. Uh, it was a military city, and it stood at the intersection of the three of the other seven cities. Uh, it was actually a city that was made to guard the way to Pergamos, which I think is incredibly ironic because it's like Thyatira is just a worse version of Pergamos, uh, but Pergamos came first. Uh, now the word Thyatira comes from the Greek word that means daughter. Uh, there was actually a man who was, uh, okay. And so, um, they became like a a hub, for trade guilds. And now this is going to actually kind of be important because these trade guilds came about because of its location, but they were also highly organized business organizations. And these highly organized business organizations, (laughs) these highly organized business organizations had a pagan god, quote unquote, or pagan deity that became the issue, like they oversaw each organization. And in them overseeing each organization, it became a stumbling block for the Christians because it asked the Christian, how far were you willing to compromise your faith in Jesus Christ? You know, idolatry is one of those things that God absolutely positively hates. We see it over and over in scripture. Like he really gets upset when um, you you worship idols. And this actually is like the issue in this letter. And so the, I, the fact that this is the issue that's really going on in Thyatira is like really interesting to me. Uh, like I said, history points back to the word. Um, but it was, it was, it was this question that was on the table for Christians. How strict are you going to be in your Christianity? How far are you willing to go for Christ? How, what are you willing to stand on? How far are you willing to go? And a lot of people failed. A lot of people were like, well, business is business. Religion is religion. And they didn't see God as the priest or the King or their number one in life. And it co- so it's, it, it kind of prompted this letter from Christ. Like you got a letter from Christ and it was not good. Like that sucks. (laughs) And then, and that's, I'm not even, I'm, 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 I'm not being facetious, but he did give them some compliments and we are going to deal with the compliments before we deal with the bad. But I mean, this was a bad letter. Like y'all golly, I felt like I was getting a whooping reading this. Um, But another thing about, uh, Thyatira, they were known for their dyes, particularly their purple dye, which some people argue is more like a burgundy dye, but I don't really get into the semantics of colors. Um, and then what was really interesting is then in this day, the church had this thing called a Chaldean priest, which was called a Peter, which meant an interpreter and kind of led the way for like the Catholic church not to have their people read the Bible. And so the Peter would read the Bible, uh, or interpret it for them and tell them how they were supposed to live um, and so it forged this place for them to um be these uh, these um different different this different place, and so the Chaldean priest the peter or so, would be this interpreter um and you can kind of see this this ideology in in the ideas that are engrafted in Catholicism, even today, uh, these, a lot of people don't read the word for themselves. And I, I think after the reformation, some things got better and got changed before a long time. A lot of these, these Christians and these Catholics or however you want to look at it, were not reading their Bible. They were not encouraged to read their Bible. They were encouraged to do other things. And so the danger of fire tower didn't come from outside influences. You would say they were in these evil days. They were, uh, they were still supposed to be influenced by these other things. But the church always seemed to hurt itself from within, and I think that's one thing that we can look at in our day. Often when the church is hurt, the church is not hurt because people are attacking it. Sure, people will be attacking it. People are saying, you don't want to go to church. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't do this. But the issues of the reasons that people don't want to be a part of the church, the people reason are they're attacking the church is because of how a church person has treated them. A matter of fact, there's a guy in this group that I'm a part of. It's a lot of preachers and a lot of uh, people that are deeply staunched in Christianity in this group. And this guy, he he kind of really kind of sort of spreads heresy. Uh, His interpretation of the word is like out there, Um, but he doesn't see it. Um, And I know a few folks like that. He doesn't see it, and he doesn't see the air in his ways. And so he had the audacity to post something. He said uh, he posted a picture from Gandhi. He said, I like this Christianity, but I don't like you Christians. I I like the God of of Christianity, but I don't like the people. Um, But he didn't quite get it. But a lot of times people get hurt by people. And when people get hurt by people, uh, they find themselves in these situations that are just out there and they're in left field. And and it's um, it's a hot, hot mess. Um, And so here is my encouragement to you as Christians and as Christian believers and people who are influencing other people on a daily basis, whether you realize or not, your life is the only Bible that some people will see. And so how you speak to them, how you treat them, how whether you love them and you embrace them in spite of who they are, what they are, and what they do, uh, sometimes that will shape whether they will even consider coming to Christ. You know, they say that on average, people have to hear the word a thousand times before they come to Christ. And so if they're always looking at you and you're living like hell, and that's the closest thing to the word that they hear, they may never come to Christ and it may be on you because you were the Bible that they see. You're the one that's reading it and you're up under the word and you're studying it and you're studying to show yourself approved, but you're living like hell <laughs> that doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah, so the, a lot of times the church gets injured, injured from the inside, and I, I think that's that's the great tragedy of um, what we have going on in the church. So let's go ahead and dig into the scripture, because know, I know that's why you're here. Um, I'm sure that the history is enlightening, but that's not why you're here. You're here to hear about the word. So let's do that. Verse 18, we're in Revelation 2, and it says, And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, Uh who hath eyes unto a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. Okay. So first, um he the he says these things saith the son of god. So I, let's go ahead and look at that. The son of god. Now this is where he is asserting his power. He has he's establishing. This is the only place in all of Revelation that Jesus makes mention that he is the son of god. He's establishing who he is because he's up against some other powers. There are some other things and some other powers trying to work and influence his church. So he has to remind you that I am the son of God. I am Yahweh. I have the power. This, we're not talking about Satan. We're not talking about anybody else or anybody who's trying to be a fake phony or fraud. I am the one. Ain't no compromise. Um, And so he is having to assert who he is. Um, in contrast, and he's saying, I'm the son of God in contrast to Semiramis, who is mentioned, um, in, in a lot of these places as the queen of heaven. And in this time, and in, in Thyatira, the queen of heaven was, was prominent. The queen of heaven is actually like Satan's wife or something like that. I, I'm I'm not versed in that, but from what I've understood, she, she, that ain't, that's not a good title. It's not a good thing. And and according to this theology, he's asserting I'm the Son of God because you're over here trying to worship the Queen of Heaven. And the Queen of Heaven don't live with me. So let me go over here and flex on you and show you how much power I really have. Verse 19, we find the good news, and it says, I know thy works, and thy charity, and thy service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works. And the last to be more than the first. So first, you know, I I think it's interesting that first he says works twice. I see that you're doing my work. I see you out here uh, building wells for all these people in Africa. I see you out here donating millions of dollars to South America. I see you over here taking care of them. And and you got your food banks and you're feeding people. You got this homeless shelter. I see you doing the good things in my name. I see you. I am so proud of you. I see your charity. That word can also be uh, translated love. I see you pouring out love on people. I see you with your faith and your patience. I see you. I'm, I'm glad that the last is the first and the first is the last. I'm happy. I'm proud of you. And I'm. this is one thing that I kind of deduce from this is it seems like they have the fruits of the spirit in some ways, which the, the fight or the issues that they about to get in trouble for is really baffling to me because they're living out the reality of what we should live out as Christians. Like they're showing the their love, they're showing the grace, they're showing the faith, they're showing the service, the things that we struggle to get people to do in church. This not a, doesn't seem to be a problem. This is the stuff that God is proud of them. Christ is happy. He's pleased with them and they're doing this stuff. But we get to verse 20. <laughs> and when we get to verse 20, we see the bad things. And he says, Nowwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou suffereth that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto to." um idols. So first let's look at this thing. Because thou f- suffereth that woman Jezebel. So the first thing is that this thing, this thing can go a couple of different ways. First, we I think it's first you gotta understand who Jezebel was. So Jezebel was like the wife of Ahab in, in first kings. This is old testament and I think the first thing we like let's let's actually let's go to first kings. First Kings 16 uh let's start reading I think that's verse my eyesight is not that good tonight uh verse first Kings sixteen twenty, and it says, And Ahab, a son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, all that were before him. And it came to pass as if he had been fi- a light um had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of the son of Nebat, that he took a wife, Jezebel, the daughter of uh Ethbel, king of the Zittim's, And went and served Baal and worshiped him and reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which had been built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now, up until this point, Ahab is a is a Jew. Like he, he, he's been raised in the way to be Jewish, to trust God, to do these things, to keep his precepts. But he takes this wife Jezebel because it was like a great trade deal. And you know, like a lot of Kings would do that. They would go marry these women because it would make sense diplomatically. Uh, but here is my advice. And this is my sidebar. If you're going to marry somebody, uh, you need to marry somebody and know what you're marrying. Because when you get married, you're tying your soul to something. And if you, you over here and you know God and she over here worshiping a a golden calf or whatever Baal was (laughs) like, no, that, and then it's going to cause chaos in your home. And in this, to this effect, his home was the kingdom because he was the king and it caused chaos over them. And actually they say historically, this was the worst period for Israel. Like one of the worst periods, not the worst, but one of the worst periods for Israel. But if we'll skip uh, if to first Kings 21, and this now it's is really juicy. Like this is a really interesting uh, passage of scripture. Um, and I'll come back and explain first Kings 18, uh, because I just like, really like that story and how it fits in there. And I just like to see God glorified the way that he was, but first Kings 21, uh, and it came to pass at these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite had a vineyard, uh, which was in Jezreel and it was hard to a heart by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me the vineyard and I, I might have it for a garden of herbs because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee a better vineyard than that, uh, than, than it, uh, if it seem good to thee, I will give you the worth of it, of it in money. And Naboth said unto Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that it should be an inheritance of my father's unto me. And Ahab sat unto his house heavy and the displeased because of the word of Naboth, the Jezreelite had spoken to him for he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my father's and laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. But Jezebel, his wife came unto him and said unto him, why is the spirit so sad? Why has thou eaten no bread? And he said unto her, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite and said unto him, give me thy Vineyard for money, or else. And if it please thee, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou not govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat the bread. Let thine heart be merry. I give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she woke the the letters in Ahab's. She wrote the letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders to the nobles that were in the city dwelling of Naboth and the nobles that were in the city dwelling in Naboth. And he wrote in the letter saying, proclaim a fast and set Naboth and Hype among the people and sent two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him that he did blaspheme God and the king. And then they carry him out, stone him, and he may die. And the men of the city, of the city even the elders and the nobles were in the inhabitants of, of the city, did as Jezebel had said unto them. And it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And there came two men, children of Belial, um, And witnessed against them. In the presence of the people saying Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. They carried him forth from the city and stoned him with stones and he died. Then they sent Jezebel saying Naboth is stoned and dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which is refused to give you for money for Naboth is not alive, but dead. And it came to pass, oh my God, when Ahab heard Naboth was dead, that Ahab came up and went down to the vineyard of Naboth, that the Jezreelite, and to take possession of it. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah of Tibur, saying, Arise and go meet Ahab, the king of Israel, which is in Samaria, and behold the vineyard of Nahoth, whether it is gone down to possess it. Okay, so basically, let me just, let me just run this down real quick. So, She decides, Jezebel decides that because her husband is upright, she's going to go behind his back and and, and go and write some letters and say that they need to go stone this man because he wouldn't sell him his land. And, And the people do it because it looks like it comes from the king's table, right? Jezebel was crazy. And she was crazy. She had this man stoned because her husband, like, and her husband wasn't even on this. Like, she went behind his back to do this. Now, in chapter 18, I love chapter 18. Chapter 18, Jezebel tries to get rid of all of the prophets of Israel. All like, right. This is a, this these are the Israelites. <laughs> they're supposed to, like, they're the Israelites. These are God's cult, cult chosen people. And she's trying to get all rid of all the prophets, trying to get these people to worship this doggone golden calf. Like y'all made the calf. Why are you worshiping something you made? <laughs> but they're they like, he's trying to get, trying to get them to worship this golden calf. They got all these prophets cutting themselves and, and running all about. And Elijah, I love Elijah. Elijah shows up. He is looking for Ahab. And they said Ahab is looking for you. He said, he ain't going to kill me today because she didn't kill everybody but Elijah because Elijah had this power. Like he had this connection to God. It was unheard of. So they get to the, the, they get to the, um, he gets to the palace and he calls up all these prophets. He said, you know what? I'm sick of this mess. You're trying to kill all these people. We're going to settle the score today. I want you to go get all of your prophets and y'all meet me at the top of the mountain. And we're going to have a show off on top of Carmel. I promise you, we're going to show off today. Whoever's God is real. He's going to strike down fire from heaven and we're going to see who God is today. So they over there chanting and they cutting on themselves and they running around in circles and they chanting and trying to conjure up some spirits, a spirit that ain't real. They ain't got no power. And he, you know, he doesn't have the power, the wonder working power, you know, that, the, that God has. And so he's sitting over there at one point, you can tell Elijah gets, he gets a little restless and he says, you know what? <laughs> Maybe he's, <laughs> he went out to take a leak. Maybe he, you know, he's asleep. Maybe he's doing this. And all the while, Elijah knows that his God, neither no sleeps, no slumbers. He doesn't have to go and relieve himself. He has this power and all he has to do is unleash it. And so after a while, after they have not cut themselves and they basically trying to kill themselves to conjure something that's not real Elijah says you know what come over here come here come here come here 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 Here. I'm about to show you what power looks like he goes on He he sets up his altar and then he said you know what we're gonna we're gonna go and hand me a, a handicap y'all play golf you know I like golf but sometimes when you play golf and you're playing people that are not good at you you add a handicap to your score kind of set yourself behind challenge challenge yourself right uh, or if you're playing a really easy course, you add a handicap to make it a little bit harder for yourself. Well, so he goes and he says, go bring me some systems of water. We're going to douse this thing in, in, in water. Now, y'all think about that. Fire and water don't really go together. Like water usually expels fire. Um, but he was so confident in the power of our God, right, that he knew that water was not going to be able to keep God from casting down fire and catching something on fire. Like it wasn't wasn't going to be an issue. So he goes and he sends them back a few times. Like we're going to douse this, make things, make sure this thing is soaking wet. We're going to even make a trough around the altar so that we know that the water is still going to remain. <laughs> like I'm about to prove to you what power looks like. Y'all thought y'all knew what power was. That power that you was talking about was you. Let me show you what real power was. And so this is what Elijah does. And and, and so he, he goes down and he says, God of heaven. And he declares and he says, as surely as you are. Our God strike down fire and down here comes this fire and it absorbs the altar. And not only does it absorb the altar, it absorbs the water like it doesn't even make sense to physics. The physics that God created, it it defies these rules and it absorbs this water and it takes over. and, and, And all of a sudden, everybody is in awe. Now, meanwhile, it has not rained because Elijah has declared that it would not rain. And he was so close to God that when he declared it wouldn't rain, that it wasn't going to rain. So God said it wasn't going to rain. Right. So they go off. Everybody's amazed. And he decides, you know what? I think it's going to rain because everybody's getting converted at this point. And he's like, OK, finally, we're making some headway. Well, so they go home and Ahab was there and Ahab is like, oh my God, you know, I forgot that God was God, but I know he's God. Now we can't deal with that Baal no more. Like (laughs) we cannot do this. And so he gets to this place and they're running home. Ahab gets home. He tells Jezebel and Jezebel gets mad. She gets mad. She gets so mad, in fact, that she calls for the head of Elijah. Now, if I go and I prove to you that what you're worshiping is a waste of time. And what I'm worshiping is the sovereign God and everybody else is getting converted. Why would you get mad at me? I'm doing you a service, but she gets upset. And so when we look at this, and I know I did not went all around the world to make this point, but like, I, I think it's a good point worth making because they suffer with that woman Jezebel, they're over here being fooled. Like the people, just like those prophets that quote unquote prophets, just like the people of, of of the land, the Israelites of that day, they're being fooled into thinking what they're being taught is right. And it, it says she says, which called herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my services to commit fornication and to eat things that are sacrificed to idols. Now, I think here where we see this word fornication, fornication, I think it, it, it is probably literal fornication of, to the local church. But I think the issue is is more so that the chief sin was that they did not protest this sin. They didn't stand up to this woman, whether it was a real woman or it was it was a figurative, figurative issue. They didn't stand up to these problems. They didn't say no. For God, I live and for God, I die. They didn't say, no, I'm not going to join this guild because it goes against my God. They didn't say, no, I'm not going to do this. They just said, well, I guess I'll just have to separate church and state. And see, it's cool to separate church and state. But when church and state deals with your soul, there ain't no separation. There's no separation. Now, I'll tell you this. I think that this is a good thing that we have separation of church and state, in church and state. But in my life, there is no separation. If I want to pray in school, I'm going to pray in school. If I want to pray in my office, I pray in my office. Now I may not inflict that upon you, but the, my state and beliefs and what I will do is there ain't no separation for me personally. But when we look at this fornication fornication, I think it parallels back to Hosea when, when he was talking about Israel whoring around spiritually with other idols. We can't even call them gods because these things were like toys, um, but, but when he talks about this fornication, sure, he's probably talking about a physical fornication, but I think the spiritual fornication is, is the dangerous piece. I think the spiritual fornication going and playing with these, all these idols and, and, and worshiping and playing and doing these things that are not God and trying to mix paganism and Christianity, mixing this falsehood with the truth, which only just makes it a lie. I had a teacher that taught me this back when I was in middle school, that if you take the finest wine there is and you take a pile of poop, you have a pile of poop and you have a pile of wine. But if you take the finest wine and you take some of that poop and you put it in the finest wine, you still have poop. It's no longer a fine wine. It's no longer valuable. It no longer has the power and the tannins and the greatness that it had because it's been defiled. Something pure that is filled with something foul is now foul. And so when we look at this, this idea that they were mixing paganism and Christianity, they were mixing this purity, this pure doctrine, this goodness, this greatness, and they were taking this truth and they were exchanging it for a lie. And God had a problem with it. All right, let's move on. Verse 21. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she repented not. Gave her a chance I told y'all I told y'all don't do this Don't do this And y'all didn't repent You weren't even sorry You weren't afraid of what I would do You were not afraid of this And because you weren't afraid Verse 22 says Behold I will cast her into a bed Of them that commit adultery with her Into the great tribulation Except they repent of their deeds man, that sucks. What I love first is at the end he says, except they repent of their deeds. God is always redemptive, always redemptive, always giving us a way out. But another thing is that he's going to throw them into the great tribulation. Here we are. We're starting to talk about him coming back. Like we're starting to talk about him returning. We're talking about, um, like the stuff that Makes people uncomfortable If you don't repent you, You'll get thrown into this great tribulation And that's scary And then he he expounds Verse 23 he says And, and I will kill her children with death And all the churches shall know that I am He that searcheth and reigns the hearts I will give unto everyone According to that works And here we are we say, In verse 23 we see him say I will kill I am He I will give. He is still, a, yet again, asserting who he is. Remember, he opened the letter with, I am the son of God. He's asserting his power. He's over here. You remember in when when the Old Testament when they said, um, when they said, well, who am I supposed to say sent me? He said, I, I am sent you. Because <laughs> I am that I am that I am. Uh, he, he's, a, he's asserting that I, my, I'm so powerful that there is no descriptor to describe me other than I am, Period. Try me if you want to And so he uh, he's asserting this declaration of who he is And verse 24 he says But I say unto you and unto the rest of in Thyatira, As many have not This doctrine Which may not have known uh, The depths of Satan As they speak I will put none of the other burden On you So He says look I'm fussing a lot right now. I'm really upset. But if you didn't know about this and you were not doing the stuff and you live in Thyatira, don't worry. I got you. You're safe. Um, but I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna put this 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 burden on you. But this is what got me. He said, which may not have known the depths of Satan. What they're dealing with here, and they may not realize it, is they're dealing with Satan worship. And see, sometimes I think we, we when people start talking about this, we get a little nervous. I do. I, I do. I'm kind of looking over my shoulder now, but he hadn't given me a spirit of fear. So let me stop looking over my shoulder. Um, <laughs> but what we see is that when we start mixing some stuff and we start compromising some stuff, that's what Satan wants us to do. Because, like I said, with the wine and the poop, if he can get in there, he can take over. Because he can corrupt this good thing, this precious thing, this marvelous thing that you have. And yes, we have this wonderful gift of repentance. We have this marvelous gift and God has given it to us and he's always redemptive and he's waiting for us to come back and to give us his hand and his arms to, you know, all we, we're welcome to come back, but these depths of Satan, sometimes you can get so deep that you can't find your way back. And so he's saying, if you don't know these depths of, like they were deep, like these are not, this is not good. And when I get in this history, I'm going to show you how deep it was. And hopefully I won't stay on it too long. But they were, they were like into that thing. And it was kind of sad. But then he says, I'll put not upon you none of the other burden. And so here we get this inclination that only a remnant is going to be saved from this church. And that's scary. That like, that's scary. But verse 26, and then he that of overcometh and keepeth my words until the end to him, I will give power over the nations. So we get this promise to the overcomer like we always get. Um, And it's funny that he was going to give you power to the overcomer, which is ironic because Jezebel all during her whole reign was seeking and searching how to get power over the nations, how to subdue this one and get this and do that. And he says, if you will just do what I say. I'll give you the power that she searches for. Isn't that crazy? You can search your whole life in all the wrong places and miss God. Miss the gifts, miss the riches, the things that you're searching for because you're looking in all of the wrong places. Uh, Verse 27, and he shall rule them with an iron rod. And vessels of the pot of clay and the broken shivers, Uh, even as I received of my father. You kind of can cross-reference that to Psalm 2-7, uh, where we see that. And that's just, that's him ruling, like really, really ruling. And he says, I will give him the morning star. And then he closes with, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In other words, you got an ear. Listen, because I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to warn you what's happening. I'm trying to give you a heads up, but don't miss me. Don't miss me. Please don't miss me because what I'm trying to tell you is really scary. And if you miss me, you might get left. So historically in the Catholic Church and really in the church at large, uh, because for a good bit of it, the Catholic Church was the whole church there are three distinct prayers. You got the Roman period, you have the medieval period and you have the reformation. Most of us are familiar with the reformation because of the reformation, we see Martin Luther and his 95 theses. And from there we see Protestantism, which most of us are like, I'm I'm Baptist. Um, although I, I am Baptist, I'm probably just more so just Christian. Uh, but I do grow up, I do attend Baptist churches. And so I do claim that. Um, and so, Uh, each of these, each of these portions transition to, into something, right? So uh, he kind of starts with uh, like Constantine, um, Constantine was so upset with paganism that he moved the capital of the, of the church to Constantinople. And when he does that, he, he like gets this idea, like he's trying to clean the church up and he's like the head of the church. Um, and then you have Theodias who required Christianity. And so he created these issues, right? um, after, after Constantine, where he was getting these non-regenerate Christians on. So they weren't really Christians. They weren't born again. They weren't saved. They were just going through rituals. Then Rome falls. Then when Rome falls, the Pope kind of really rises the power. Like there was a Pope, but he didn't have any power. Now this Pope has power. Cause he's starting to talk to these other churches, all these other countries and trying to work these deals out with them. And in the, end times he was trying to work out deals like that's dangerous. Charlemagne comes to power. He rules for forty years, and then you see these countries like Germany and Austria and Europe and uh, just most of Europe, Belgium. All of these countries coming together, and they're 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 really being ruled under him. And all of them are Catholic and all of that good stuff. Then under under this idea around this time these isidorian letters appear when these isidorian letters appear like they edify the pope Uh, they're saying that the pope has definite power people are believing this but then later as we study history find out these isidorian letters were, were fake and that whoever was in the pope's office made them to try to make the pope get more more power and it worked and then we walk into this period called the midnight of the dark ages um <laughs> which like was terrible. Like you had Popes doing awful, God awful things, which leads us to the rule of the harlots where the Pope had mistresses and he's sleeping with people. But I thought that priest was supposed to not be with nobody. And ain't that what the Pope is, which leads us to Benedict eight who bought his throne, uh, who bought his papacy. Um, And then Benedict nine, who was Pope at 12, which was probably not a good idea at all. He was a dark, dark fella. Like in, in his darkness, like he, he was killing people at the stake in the middle of the streets and he was sleeping with folks and it just wasn't great. Which leads us to Gregory the Seventh, who cleans stuff up and was driven, he cleans stuff up and he makes things better. But then of course he gets driven out of Rome and he's excommunicated from <laughs> the church. Then you get Innocence the Third who was powerful, but this like, now this freaked me out, right? Then he called himself the Vicar of Christ, right? Uh, Which actually kind of is translated Antichrist. And then, but there was more blood on his hands than there was on any Pope before him. Um, the Kings obeyed him of several countries. Like it was crazy. Right. And then here's this, this crazy thing that Hitler comes along. Right. And Hitler declared that when he, he was doing his dirt, that he was doing exactly what the church was. And he was never excommunicated from the Catholic church. Like that. I mean, that just bothers me. So, but I, I want to say, I say all of that and all of these things, we're talking about all these things and this history and, and how scary and disgusting it is. And I know it seems like I beat, beat it up. I beat it. It's like I'm beating up on the um, Catholic Church. And if Fire Tyre is the Catholic Church, Sardis is the Protestant Church. And at least there were some good things said about Fire There is nothing good said about Sardis. And we're gonna talk about Sardis next time. But I do want to. I do want you to keep on the forefront of your mind that none of, nobody, none of us are perfect and we have evil histories, but there is redemption offered to every church. There is a place for every church to make it right, to make a turnaround, to get right with God and to be where he's called you to be. We do not have to stay in ugly, ugly bondage. We can move up and move forward. You just have to make the decision to. And I think this first step is studying the scripture. I think it is getting an honest understanding of what is, what shall be, and what can be. Uh, But that was Thyatira. It's dark, dim, and dismal. But I mean, they, I found that Revelation is really one of those books where it'll make you shout, but it'll make you cry too. Um, and I think this is, this just might've been one of those days where it just kind of make you melancholy, but while I'm recording, this is one in the morning and I have class at 9:30. So that has been Thyatira and until next time you all be blessed.